are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. As always, I want to say thank you for making Locked On Louisville your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, all Louisville all the time. So the Louisville Cardinals dropped a heartbreaker on Saturday evening to the Clemson Tigers, losing 30 to 24. We are going to break down that game completely, talking first about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll transition into the initial takeaways and reactions like we always do. And just like every Monday, we will incorporate the Monday mailbag segment at the conclusion of this episode. But before we get into the content of today's show, like I mentioned, for those who are not aware of who I am, my name is Dalton Pence. I'm a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a football beat writer and a recruiting analyst. Also do some various PA announcing work for the university as well. You can follow my personal Twitter at dpence underscore and the podcast Twitter pages at LO underscore global. So let's get right on into the nitty gritty. We start out with the weekly good, the bad, and the ugly segment. We haven't really done that in the past couple weeks, but wanted to bring that back for this matchup. Before we break them down individually, I want to go ahead and introduce what each subsection is going to be. The good is the offense as a whole in this game against Clemson. The bad is going to be the offense without Malik Cunningham. And the ugly is going to be the fourth quarter in general. So let's start out with the good. Um, you know, Speaking from an overall offensive standpoint, I think the cards did some great things, especially when you look at what they were able to do on the ground. Over 200 yards rushing for the fifth straight game actually ended up with 223 to be exact, which is the most rushing yards that the Clemson Tigers defense has given up all season long, which is a big deal considering that is the third best scoring defense in the country. I thought for the most part, you know, there were a couple opportunities to where Louisville didn't necessarily take advantage, but Malik Cunningham was able to dissect the Clemson defense, stay away from James Skalski, their quarterback of the defense, so to speak, the true bit of linebacker. He had some opportunities where he over under threw guys, but for the most part, I thought, you know, he turned in a good performance. He was only 12 for 20, you know, through the air, 174 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions passing. But once again, as we've seen time and time again this season on the ground, he was extremely effective, leading the team in rushing by far. 22 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns, had the 51 yard touchdown. Um, in the second half and that just goes to show you I mean this is his seventh game of the season so far and there's been nine games seven of the nine in which he's had multiple rushing touchdowns Uh, that's just actually phenomenal he has 15 on the season averaged just over six yards per carry and to do that against a Clemson defense that is known for having versatile hybrid linebackers uh, spying on opposing quarterbacks I think that's a big deal so for the most part, I thought the offense was able to get things going You know, in the first half. The offensive line um, created a lot of separation in space. You, you saw the hole in which Jalen Mitchell scored the first touchdown of the game, that 26-yard scamper. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the offense turned in you know, a performance that will be considered one of the best of the season. 
but it was definitely good enough to win the game, you know, through the first three quarters. Now, unfortunately, Malik Cunningham goes down, and that's where we get into the bad section of this segment, is the offense without Malik Cunningham completely stalled. I get it, you know, Evan Conley has been a guy, you know, in the past, he's come in, especially 2019, and picked up the slack when Cunningham's gotten injured, and he's actually, you know, you look back to that Wake Forest performance in Winston-Salem in that season, and he actually balled out and probably won the game for Louisville, but ultimately, that was not the case this year, you know, each time he's been in hasn't necessarily shown anything, and look, I get it, I'm not bashing the young man, I mean, it's hard to get thrown into a relief appearance and have to come in right away against one of the best defenses in the country, you know, backed up on your own goal line, so to speak. I think they're at, what, the 10 to 15-yard line or maybe even closer to the goal line than that. But ultimately, it's it's hard to do to come in and be able to produce results against this defense. But it was very clear that without Malik Cunningham, the Cardinals were not going to move the ball whatsoever. The Tigers were basically banking on the run. And when they forced Conley to throw the ball, one of the passes was batted down. Um, you know, it was very evident that Conley wasn't going to do much. And I'm not saying, you know, this isn't a shot to Conley at all. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, you know, calling a spade a spade. When Malik Cunningham was in there with his ability to hurt the defense with either his arm or his legs, you know, it kept that Clemson defense on its toes. And it was, you know, evident that that style of play was working through the first three quarters and some change. You know, because the Tigers were struggling to contain Malik Cunningham. I mean, he finished with over 130 yards rushing. We saw that 51-yard touchdown. I mean, he had some more opportunities to where it seemed like every time the pocket broke down, Cunningham was able to turn you know that into a positive yardage situation. So, and Cunningham took advantage of you know recognizing what package the Clemson defense was in and, um, you know, finding that open space out in the flat or up through the second line of the defense. And then when Conley came in, it kind of took away that dual threat possibility and Clemson kind of banked on the rush, which it looked like, you know, they tried to get something going with Travion Cooley, couldn't necessarily get it there. And then all of a sudden you're in third and long situations and, you know, that's not necessarily a recipe for success. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is, you know, not bashing Evan Conley or anything like that, just calling a spade a spade. When Malik Cunningham is not in the game for Louisville, it kind of spells trouble for the cards, and we saw that, you know, against Clemson. That halted all the momentum. I mean, the cards were driving, settled for a field goal on that possession, so they went up 10, um, but it looked like there was definitely a possibility to double the lead and move it to 14 if Malik stays in the game, but that angle tweak sent him to the locker room, and he ultimately came back out. But that will transition into the ugly portion of this, which is the overall fourth quarter. Clemson scoring 13 unanswered points in this contest to win the game 30-24. to The Cards entered the final period with a seven-point lead. And unfortunately for Louisville, this fourth quarter was like ones that we've seen earlier in the season. I mean, you look back at... Virginia, NC State. I mean, both of those games different in terms of point differential, but the Cards led the Cavaliers by 17 heading into that last period um, earlier this season. And last week, the Cards were up by three against NC State and ended up losing by, I think, 15. So the team has had an issue with the offense stalling in the fourth quarter and the defense um, you know, allowing more points than the rest of the game, so to speak. So... When you look at this one in particular, I mean, you have to mention Malik Cunningham going out definitely halted the momentum, and you can argue that it actually flipped it in favor of Clemson 
because the Tigers, um, you know, were able to wear the defense down of Louisville and take advantage of some short field positions and ultimately go down and you know get that game winning touchdown late in the fourth quarter. But you know, this w- wasn't necessarily like Virginia and like NC State. And I'm going to talk about it in the next segment is how you know all these fourth quarter debacles have been due to different variables and different circumstances. When you look at this one. Yes, it was the defense that gave up 13 unanswered, but didn't necessarily have a lot of help from the offense until that final drive that the Cards almost scored on the goal line. Um, but you know, for the most part, I thought the Louisville defense bent but didn't break for almost the entirety of the game. They made some good plays. They forced a turnover on special teams and held the Clemson offense in check for the most part. I mean, through the first two quarters, um, they had 17 points and then didn't score again until the fourth. You look at what they did on offense, 345 total yards to Louisville's 397. So comparing them both, I guess you could say it was more even than you know what meets the eye, so to speak, but definitely another fourth quarter debacle has to unfortunately represent the ugly section of this segment. But But I want to keep talking about this matchup in particular, give some initial thoughts and takeaways um, from what I saw up in the press box on Saturday evening. But before we do that, let's talk about our friends down at Prize Picks. If you're a college football fanatic, which chances are if you're listening to this episode, then you know you're, you probably are one. You need to hear about this. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is a daily leader in college sports fantasy. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world while offering all of the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-majors that you might not have even ever heard of while offering any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of those that deposit and use the promo code Locked On will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So here's how it works. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's literally just you versus the projected numbers. But here's the key part that I think is going to reel you in. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries. So you can take the over on Stephen Curry and combine that with the under on Josh Allen in the same entry. Um, You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Injuries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Do yourself a favor. Go to PrizePix.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. So we were talking about the initial takeaways and reaction from the Louisville loss to Clemson on Saturday evening. And I think the first emotion that comes to mind, I don't necessarily like to you know, bring emotion into a logical-based argument because I think that you know, it gives you some bias. It skews your reasoning in, in some ways, so to speak. But I think this one is key because I think it represents not only what the fan base is feeling, probably what the team is as well and the coaching staff, and that's just frustration. You know, After this loss, I felt frustrated, not because of the loss. Well, obviously, yes, because the team lost, but it's the fact that, let's be honest, this is not a bad team. I mean, this is a team that, if you factor in the three very close losses that featured fourth quarter debacles, I mean, we are a couple points, 11, so to speak, away from being 7-2. and two. And if you want to you know, discuss that NC State game, you can. That's possibly 8-1. and one. I mean, you can always you know, play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game 
And I'm, I understand those that say, you know, we're not living in a hypothetical world. We live in a world filled with wins and losses. There's no should have won, should have lost. And I get that. And I definitely incorporate that into my logical approach. But also, you know, I want to pose this as the devil's advocate because I think that it, it skews your overall observation of the team and overall kind of takeaway of how good this team is when you just look at the wins and losses like it'd be totally different if it was like 2018 and there you know the five losses were games that were you know Louisville was clearly outmatched there was not you know any chance for the cards to win this one they would have had to play a perfect game to pull it off that's not the case here it's not like this team is bad in year three under scott satterfield we have a talented roster you know there's more depth than he has had you know in any season so far but the key is you know i feel like this is a team that doesn't do the little things well and the little things i mean like i mentioned later last week was that the little things represent a ton of different smaller key components of the game like winning the turnover battle um you know winning the field position battle limiting the big plays i mean you know go so on and so forth capitalizing and scoring position you know i feel like each and every loss that Louisville's had it's been a matter of not handling the little things in in a you know good manner it's not executing on the little things like you look back at the the loss to Wake Forest I felt like there were some opportunities in that first half to where the offense didn't capitalize from good field position um, we can you know factor in the officiating as well at the end of that first half but you look back to the Virginia loss it was you know stalling out on offense and the defense giving up big time plays and then you turn to the NC State loss and think, well, you know, the defense did pretty well for the majority of that game. It was, you know, the offense that didn't necessarily pick up the slack, couldn't get it going. You know, penalties killed some drives. And then finally you come to this Clemson game and say, well, you know, once again, the defense bent a lot but didn't break and you know, held the opposing team to a respectable number, but the offense wasn't able to get going in the fourth quarter. And I think that's kind of the most frustrating thing. Yes, it's soothing and relieving in a sense, so to speak, to know that Louisville is good enough to be in the game with these teams. But, I mean, you could make the argument that Louisville was the better team in three out of the five losses, four out of the five losses. You know, I, I'm not necessarily as optimistic as that loss against NC State as some of the fan base. But, you know, I think, you know, three of the five losses, Louisville was the better team. That is including Wake Forest. I thought the cards were better than the Demon Deacons. So it all comes down to, okay, you play three really good quarters, and then it's just the one quarter where you, you kind of maybe not necessarily let off the gas, so to speak, but just don't necessarily execute well on offense or defense. And unfortunately, that's all it takes to potentially lose a game. And I, I know that the fan base is extremely frustrated with that aspect of okay we played very well for the first three quarters and then once again you know the team loses a lead in the fourth and ends up losing the game that they should never be in the position to lose at all so i i understand that frustration heck i even echo that frustration because that was one of the things you know after leaving cardinal stadium you know walking back to my car that i kind of reflected on was you know it's it's becoming a trend to you know drop these games due to poor, poor fourth quarter performances but what i will caution Louisville fans to think is you know don't let these results 
albeit very hard results. I mean, tough to swallow. They hurt. They sting. They're disappointing. They're frustrating. Whatever adjective you want to use, go ahead and use it. But I caution you to let that cloud your judgment on how good this team is. You know, Scott Satterfield makes the comments of, you know, the the team's right there over the hump in terms of winning. And, you know, the fan base doesn't necessarily take those comments well, but he's not wrong. And I understand you don't want to hear that. I mean, there's nothing the coach can say after a loss that you're going to be like, wow, that's what I wanted to hear. I don't care what you say. You're not going to be appeased by anything that Scott Satterfield or any of the players would have said after a loss, nor, you know, any college coach or any college player. The only thing that you can do moving forward is continue to hone in on the little things. Now, how do you do that? How do you go about improving small things such as winning the turnover battle, winning the you know, overall field position battle. And I, I think that, that that's kind of the question, so to speak. And I'm not a college coach by any means, so I'm not sitting here, you know, giving pointers to the coaching staff or making suggestions. You know, I'm you know, I myself am curious as to how you improve that as well. But you can tell by the way that the coaching staff and the team talks that that is, you know, something that the team has focused on in terms of, you know, improvements it's all about the execution and when it comes down to the fourth quarter you can have a good game plan you know you can draw up good plays but at the end of the day it's all about execution and I think that that's what lacked on that last drive against Clemson you got down to the goal line you had first and goal from the two and ultimately the execution just wasn't there the first two plays looked like run plays weren't successful third down play looked like it was a pass option that Malik ended up taking for himself and then the fourth down was a rollout pass play and Malik just slipped and um, you know ultimately it happens you know credit to Clemson's defense for making the uh, goal line stop it's one of if not the best red zone defense in the country Um, you know that's just what it comes down to you have to go back to the drawing board you have to learn from it but I get it you know it's it's extremely frustrating I'm not sitting here you know saying that you shouldn't feel upset about this loss because you know let's face it I am too the players are the coaches are but, you know, there's three more games left on the schedule. Bowl eligibility is still in reach. You can't sulk on this loss for long because you have Syracuse coming to Cardinal Stadium, you know, for Lamar Jackson's number of retirement day. And that's going to be a big game to try to get one step closer to bowl eligibility. So this season is not over. You can't just throw in the towel. There's three games left. And, you know, there's still bowl eligibility inside. It's still attainable. So we will ultimately see how the cards come out against the Orange next Saturday noon kickoff. It has been determined and announced that it is a blackout for the fan base. So wear your black to that game. We'll have all the previews and coverage of that matchup beforehand all this week on the Locked On Louisville show. We're going to dive right into the Mailbag Monday segment of the show. Uh, Before we do that, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. i got to be honest, this is one of my favorite nutritional changes that I've made in my life. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are simply missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but literally it doesn't taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars for yourself to believe it. Most protein bars that I've experienced, they're chalky, waxy, or just hard to choke down. A built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of like an experience that I'd say, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar, but get this. 
Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein, so you get all of the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. Another great thing about Built Bar is the variety of mouth-watering flavors that they have, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, which is my favorite, by the way. It has topped double chocolate as my previous favorite. There's also Cherry barcia, and this month, Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days, so check their website out often. You don't want to miss out. That is Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Once again, that's Built.com, LOCKED15 for 15% off, Built.com. All right, so the last segment of the show is dedicated to the Monday mailbag. There's a couple questions that I picked for this week's edition, and I think that they're questions that you know a lot of the fan base should answer. I think that you know it's something that makes you think, and the answers are you know some that will probably vary you know depending on who you ask. But the first question is, what frustrates you most about the loss to Clemson? And I got to be honest, this is a question that I pondered for probably about five to ten minutes, you know, driving back from a same volleyball game, you know, it, just because honestly, I wasn't necessarily sure because it's hard to kind of express emotion or and it's even harder to, you know, dissect and, you know, why that emotion is there, especially when it comes to sports. Um, but I'll say for this game in particular, and I guess you can kind of make some you know, comparisons to some previous losses, and I think it's because Louisville has been the better team in these matchups, and it's just a matter of execution that has separated Louisville from 7-2 and two and 4-5, and five, so to speak. So I, as you know, frustrating as that is for me, I think that it also can you know be flipped on its head and viewed as somewhat of a, a positive in the world of negatives. And that is because you know it is a different story if this team is simply just not competing in some of these games and they're completely outmatched and there's no reason for them to even be on the field. But in four of the five losses, you can argue that Louisville was the better team. I'm going to say in three of the five losses because I think NC State was ultimately better than the Cardinals down in Raleigh um, last week. But overall, you know, three of these losses, in my opinion, you know, should have been wins. The Virginia game, you're up 17. There's no way you should be in a position to even lose that game in the first place. You know, you look at um, Wake Forest, you know, that could have gone either way, but I thought that there were some moments in the first half in which Louisville could have put this out of reach and beaten the Demon Deacons. And then Clemson, I mean, if Malik Cunningham doesn't get hurt, I think the Cards win this game by 10 to 14 plus. But unfortunately, you know, things happen throughout the game. You can't make excuses for them. It's next man up mentality, and you have to keep fighting through the adversity. And not only Malik Cunningham, there were some other injuries. You know, Chandler Jones went down. You know, Yasir Abdullah went down. Jack Fago had to leave the game in the first half due to a targeting call. So, I mean, you know, you can you know, pinpoint a, a couple things that are the most frustrating aspects of this game. But I think the number one thing is just the fact that despite all of these obstacles, Louisville was still in a position to win this game and ultimately should have. You know, first and goal from the two-yard line, regardless if Clemson executes on four straight plays, I mean, chances are you look at the statistics, you know, versus a team scoring and not scoring on the two-yard line when it's first and goal, I'd say the statistics probably are heavily in favor of scoring in that situation. Unfortunately, it just didn't happen. 
you know, it comes down to the execution. So I think the frustrating thing for me is just the fact that this team has been right there and it's clear that they're competing in these games and arguably, you know, the better team in these contests. But I also think, you know, as frustrating as that is, it also leaves me hopeful because there you know, is some possibility for the future. And it's showing that this program is rebuilding. I mean, so quickly, Louisville fans are to forget that 2018, this was a team that struggled to beat Indiana State, struggled to beat Western Kentucky, and the 10 losses after that were pretty much all blowouts. I mean, Louisville didn't necessarily compete in any of them. And, you know, we are three years removed from that and, you know, still in the possibility of getting to a bowl game. I mean, won eight games in 2019. Things didn't necessarily go our way in 2020, going four and seven. But right now we're four and five with bowl potential still on the horizon. So as frustrating as it is, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on this season, especially with there being three games. You have to win two of them to get bowl eligible, but it is not impossible. So let's move on to the next question, staying in the football realm. And this one reads, does this string of losses due to bad fourth quarter performances hurt team morale? and ultimately hurt them in the next three games. Now, I I get the gist of this question. I I know that it is asked in an honest intention. You know, you're asking, you know, know, due to these bad losses in the fourth quarter and how dejecting they are in their own nature and as a respective unit collectively, you know, does this ultimately, you know, hurt the team morale to the point to where it hurts the team's drive and passion in the last three games. So I'm going to go ahead and say no, um, just because I know some of these players personally, and even the ones that I don't, you know, you can still see from whether it's media availability, a social media post, you know, the way they go out and play every week despite losing the week before, that this is a team that is not full of quitters. When you look at that 2018 squad, when That squad faced adversity in a game, you know, very quickly they folded up and ultimately went on to lose, you know, by big margins. That's not the case for this team. I know they've been on the wrong end of some close battles and it frustrates the fan base beyond measure. But at the end of the day, like I mentioned, this team knows there are three games left. Just because you're four and five now doesn't mean you scrap the season and throw in the towel. You have three more opportunities to ultimately get bowl eligible. Now you have Syracuse, Duke, and Kentucky. It is not impossible for the Cardinals to get to 6 and 6 by the time early December rolls around. So you know, actually this question was asked in a, you know, sort of a similar fashion in the post-game press conference both to Scott Satterfield and I believe it was to uh, Malik Cunningham and you know Satterfield basically said, you know, this is a team that you know cares a lot. They're very passionate. They love the sport of football. They love their teammates. They love this program. And, you know, it's all about the family aspect of things. So, you know, this loss was going to hurt them. But he acknowledged, you know, hey, the season does not end right now. You know, we still have three more games to go. You know, there's opportunities to get to a bowl game. And Cunningham echoed those sentiments. He even took it one step further. He said, you know, as a leader, you know, it is my responsibility to and not only be a guide for these younger guys, but also, you know, keep the older guys in check with the mentality of, hey, yes, we lost. It stings. It sucks. We still have to come in for film tomorrow. It's going to be in the back of our minds. But at the end of the day, 
we have another game to prepare for next weekend. So we can't sulk for too long. You know, we have to be able to turn the page. And what I like to reference is Ted Lasso's quote in that that show on Apple Plus is, you know, you have to have the memory of a goldfish. You know, a 10 second span of, you know, you make a mistake, you're able to turn the page. And in this respective context, you know, it, it's not necessarily a favorable result. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to turn and focus on the next game. And it is evident that after these dejecting losses, the team has still come out and put together some good performances. They're improving every single week in a lot of key areas of the game. And that necessarily cannot be overlooked. We're going to talk about that more throughout the week. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to give a couple quick shout-outs. The first to the Cardinals Sports Zone podcast. The most recent episode was released yesterday evening. Be sure to go check that out at cardinalswartzone.com. Also want to give a quick shout-out to the Locked on ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. There's no better way to get your opponent previews and some picks of the week, power rankings, everything you can need in terms of conference news can be found on that show. You can get that on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, you know, basketball season starting up this week. Tomorrow, to be exact, Louisville opens up against Southern. If you want to get to know more about the ACC conference as a whole when it comes to basketball for this season, be sure to check out that podcast. But that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Everyone have a great start to your week, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.